Oh no, he's terrible. I think he's glad he ate her. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I get it. Like gladiator. Glad. Oh, so bad. Clever, right? Clever, clever. Did you ever watch that show, uh, American Gladiators? Remember that? Oh yeah. They had names like. What, what, uh, Didn't they bring it back? I, they did. I feel like they did bring uh-huh. it. Nitro and Malibu. Those Nitro. Nit- yeah. Yeah, Nitro. <laughs> Malibu. She Domino. Domino. Wait, you actually know this? Yeah, he knows a lot. Uh, it was basically a show centered around pegging each other with tennis balls. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Um. So anyway, <laughs> this is Screen Fix. Welcome to another episode. This is the show where we fix a recent Hollywood film and give you some movie news. This week we will be fixing Tomb Raider. Uh, ooh. <laughs> but first, uh, let's check in on our hosts. Here is our host, uh, Mustachio. Why don't you uh, say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. What's up? And uh, Lady Wan is out of the country. She's jet setting. She's um, abroad. Jet setting across Europe. She's doing all of the European things. She's at a nude beach eating a pot brownie. Uh, and having a cappuccino. What else? What What else do Europeans do? What are, What are they? Smoke cigarette and wear leather shoes and smoking a cigarette, wearing a pair of leather loafers. That's what she's doing right now. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we're missing you, Lady Wan, but we do have a substitute host in your place today. We've had her before. She filled in on such short notice because she is a scientist with no life. <laughs> It is late. So <laughs> it is Lady Nay. She uh, is back. She was on our Annihilation episode. She was giving us her scientifical take. She ripped that movie apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is not her forte. Uh, we did try to get two different archaeologists to be on the show this week to talk about the archaeology. And archaeologists are very busy, come to find out. (laughs) Maybe we'll have them for a future episode. But you know what? We got such good reaction to Lady Nay's episode that we were like, (laughs) why don't we get Lady Nay again? She's dedicated. She's here. Say hi to everybody. Lady Nay. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back, JC. Uh, Lady Nay, did did you do anything this weekend that was film or TV related? Uh, maybe you uh, discovered a new strand of a bacteria that's about to take us all out. Uh, just what did you do? What did you do this weekend? Uh, no bacteria uh, findings. <laughs> so you guys are all still good and safe. Um, I was, I don't know if I can say it. I was socially <laughs> this weekend. Dang. <laughs> Wow. What the uh, hell happened there? Uh, can you explain to us what that is? So I didn't want to go out, which is usually my my, my thing, you know, staying in and, and being a little homebody. And my awesome friends showed up at my place and wouldn't leave until they took me to Bush Gardens. So I, I really went out this weekend. Did, did you buy coasters? What'd you do? Well, I saw one of my uh, faves from the past, Tonic, and also Better Than Ezra. Ooh, 90s throwback. Ooh, there we go. You were abducted by Better Than Ezra? Did you, uh, are they looking uh, okay? Because I feel like sometimes you see some of these 90s bands and they are looking very rough, a little bit bloated, uh, squeezing into their tiny jeans. Is that, uh, how, how were Tonic and Better Than Ezra looking? Very small jeans. Like, I think they're still wearing the same jeans they wore, like, in 1992. Uh, <laughs> but there's so many lights, you can't really tell. But I, I would imagine, closer up, they look more like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Stones guy. Mick Jagger? Mick Jagger. <laughs> Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah. So up, up close, they look like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so every rock group ends up eventually looking like a bunch of Mick Jaggers. And I think that's that's the goal. I think if you, you've had a successful career as a musician, if you end up looking like Mick Jagger. You party hard <laughs> enough, you end up looking like Mick Jagger, and it's been a good life. Like, I don't trust rockers that look too babyface still. No, you, you can't trust like, them. You don't trust, like, a skinny chef, and you don't trust a musician that 
It has a baby face. That looks all bright and baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. All right. So, uh, Mustachio, did you do anything film TV related this weekend? Uh, maybe you finally completed your uh, Force Awakens plush toy set. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what did you do this weekend? <laughs> no, no plush toys. I actually, uh, I saw Game Night. That that was great. I, I liked that movie. I also saw Game Night. Uh, I didn't love Game Night. I can't remember why. And that's a testament to how forgettable the movie is, I believe. Yeah, there was some stuff like in the movie where it's like, oh, we already saw this on the trailer, so we're not going to laugh as much, you know, seeing it in the film. But so I was actually laughing at other things that I didn't know were going to be in the movie, like Kevin's like Denzel impression. Uh, That shit was funny. And like, there was. Well, here, it's just speaking of that that Denzel thing, I thought that was going to be a lot funnier of a payoff. Yeah, it was. This this is what I thought. I thought that. I thought they were setting us up for an actual Denzel cameo. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So I thought later in the movie, she was going to have to, like, maybe when they were in a lot of huge trouble, Denzel was going to, like, intervene and save them like this celebrity that she had slept with and i thought that was gonna be awesome and i was waiting for that payoff well the movie wasn't good enough to make the full screen fix it just <laughs> the true. intro to screen fix so <laughs> you know it wasn't good if it only makes yeah. the intro it's not yeah, it's not worthy it's not worthy of fixing uh so yeah let's jump let's let's dive right into our movie news what do you think guys yeah let's get started it. yeah okay so our first bit of news I don't have my thing pulled up. So professional. Here we go. Our first bit of news. Since everything 90s comes back. (laughs) Whether we like it or not. I literally need to come up with some theme music for this segment because this is a weekly thing. (laughs) 90s 90s movie remakes that nobody asked for. Backdraft 2 is coming out. I've actually been asking for that. Since the early nineties, do you, you really have a firefighter thing? Do you have a firefighter thing? Oh yeah, guys in uniforms. Oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm getting a little flustered. So what is the, so the firefight? What is it about the firefighter? They're just the uniform, the beefiness, the beefiness, the, be- we the all beef, know Fla- that flame broiled beef. More like, like the beef hot. is back. They're. <laughs> All right, so you like the flame broiled beef, and uh, okay, so you wanted Backdraft Two. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, in Backdraft Two, of course, you know Kurt Russell's uh, beef got flame broiled. He he, he died. <laughs> he died in that in that movie. Flame broiled. Um, <laughs> remember, he's like, "Let me go, bull," and he's like, "No." You go, I go, and Kurt Russell's doing that great face twitch and like his, his eyeballs mm-hmm. all all red, mm-hmm. you know that whole thing. I thought he actually died in that movie, like in real life. <laughs> Kurt it was Russell, so convincing, and like I wanted it kind of to happen too. Oh my god! You want? <laughs> why did you want totally Kurt Russell okay to die? With that death in that movie. That's really weird uh, to say that you wanted the movie death to be real. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, again, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. So in this one, this is going to follow the son of Kurt Russell's character. And he is now uh, an investigator with the Chicago PD. And he still holds a grudge against his uncle, William Baldwin, who, of course, was in backdraft. He, he was the new he was the new uh, recruit. So William is coming back. William is coming back. I haven't seen William in anything of well, of note. Yeah. Except the last like movie I remember him in was he was uh Kristen Bell's cop partner in the in the fake TV show she was in. In for, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, he was her like on-screen detective partner. He would say things like I remember one one of the things he said was like uh Kristen Bell says they found his penis behind the AC unit. And he goes, talk about a dick sickle. <laughs> what? That actually happened? Yeah, that that was in that that movie. But, oh my god! Uh, what What has William Baldwin been in that that any of us can even think of uh, recently? Nah, nothing His at all. Has no. been like working for decades on this guy, and finally they can do a backdraft. 
It's time. I mean, they've been been looking hell for a long time. They've been looking for dirt on some producer for a while just to get this made. (laughs) Yeah, some producer sucked a lot of. Whoa. Or that's a thing, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, these, I mean, it was a thing. I think now they're cracking down on it. Yeah, yeah. So much. But anyway, this time, so he still holds like a grudge against William Baldwin. This sounds cheesy though, because now instead of just like, like, an angry arsonist. Uh, this time it's a group of agents who are attempting to sneak a missile out of the country and they're using fires as a distraction to sneak it out, to sneak a missile out of, out of the country. So, sounds so contrived. I mean, that's like overly complex. Like why, why couldn't they have kept it as there's like a new arsonist? That would have been fine. Like, yeah. why do they have to add sneaking, sneaking out missiles? And yeah, that's. That. So, how do we feel? Backdraft to Mustachio. Give us your hot take, pun intended. Go. Yeah. Um. So, backdraft to. So, I, I really don't know what to think about this movie because it sounds ridiculous. It's giving William Baldwin more work from being in B movie hell. I I don't understand it. I, I guess I don't go see movies for the beef and <laughs> that may be where i'm i'm doing it all wrong you're missing out man you're missing out that's where i'm doing it all I'm wrong. missing out yeah back draft two back to the beef <laughs> flame broil all right so so do you have any further take other than just you love beef uh lady nate oh, are you well, on board for this or what i mean i don't like just beef <laughs> Chicken, <laughs> shrimp, surf and turf, some lamb sometimes, you know. I loved Backdraft, the first one. I don't yeah. know if it was like, it, actually, timing wise, it was kind of when I first started getting into movies, I think a little bit. Like, that was the first time I started like recognizing actors' names. Because th- like that, like in your early movie career, you don't know yeah. names. You just see So that's when you name. first gave a damn about movies? <laughs> Yeah, was one of the bald ones, and not the good one. <laughs> not the one that would go on to further success. Right. Yeah, that movie uh, has got a really great score. But it's but the score is very similar also to the movie Glory, which came out around the same time. Threes. Yeah, they're kind of they're very similar. Um, not, not as much beef. <laughs> More chicken. <laughs> More of the chicken. So, yeah. So, backdraft two, I guess I would have to say that I'm not on board with this, but sometimes there are movies that I'm not on board with, and suddenly I am. Kind of like with Men in Black, the reboot, or the soft reboot, which is like when you it's still in the same universe, but it's years later, that kind of reboot. But Men in Black 2... Meant not to, but the Men in Black reboot, we talked about it last time. Chris Hemsworth, and we talked about who we would cast this with, and we did that with Lady Nay. I was there. And guess what? Right when you're back, they have cast the other, the female. The unknown is now known. It is now known. What do they call that in the, in the scientific world? Uh, evidence? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. A discovery? Right, listen, you're here for your scientific mind. <laughs> it's, it's if you're not going to bring man. it. <laughs> All right, so they are going to cast Tessa Thompson, which is fantastic. So a reteaming of Thor and Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok. I mean, they had great chemistry there. Sexual sizzle. <laughs> what do we, Who what would do not you... have sexual sizzle, though, with Chris Hemsworth? That's a very good. I feel like he just draws you in with his charisma and his humor uh-huh. i feel like man female human being hippopotamus it does not matter what you are hemsworth <laughs> they all like it they all, all they, they all like. love it they all love it um, yeah. how do you feel about this casting decision lady nay go for it so wait sh- that's the lady psychic or that's the old man replacement that you guys were talking about she's not gonna be wearing old man prosthetic stuff <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, She's going to she be doing her female. best torn impression. I know impression. that you had asked for Rosie Perez <laughs> in the last episode, <laughs> which was that. such a bizarre choice. But yeah, Tessa Thompson is our female lead with Chris Hemsworth. Are you feeling it? 
Do you like it? Did you see Thor Ragnarok? I did, actually. Okay. I did and finally I, see it. Do you think this chemistry is going to... Did you like the chemistry? I like the chemistry. They were great. How could you not like that? They both are just a joy to watch. Adorbs. Uh, Mustachio, how do you feel about this this pairing, this men in black pairing? It seems like a good pairing. I, I don't know if he's going to do his, you know, Australian, you know, kind of accent because he can't... He can he do a good American accent is what I want to know. You feel like it's going to be more men at work and not men in black. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> I want to I want to go to the land down under because <laughs> like, we we got her from what was she in? Did we just see her in Annihilation? We did. She was in Annihilation. Uh, yeah, she was the cutting herself uh, physicist. Oh, girl. yeah. She said some like very physicist lines like know, in, scrambling. In, yeah. Like refraction. Refracting. Refracting. Um, so yeah, uh, I also love this choice. I wasn't on board with this movie, and now I am on board with this movie. I'm into it. I love it. I'm ready to watch it. Let's move on to our third piece of movie news. Last week, we talked about Margot Robbie as the missing piece. And remember, Lady Nay, we talked about that with you. Who was going to be the third part of that hot trio, which was Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio Mm -hmm. in the Tarantino movie? Mm -hmm. That role has been filled. Margot Robbie. I'm excited to see her anytime, anywhere. But we have another piece of casting news. Margot Robbie is going to be in a movie called Terminal. I thought that was pretty neat, but I was more interested in the cast the other cast members of that movie as well first of all i love margot robbie but one of the other cast members in that movie terminal was mike myers really and i was trying to think when's the last time i saw mike myers in anything shrek is that the same person yes it is we didn't actually technically see but i think that might be his most recent gig was being a voice what was the last thing i don't know if anybody knows what he really looks like anymore <laughs> he might look like shrek yeah he just looks like <laughs> shrek now <laughs> what do you think mustachio about mike myers yeah I, I mean i haven't seen him in anything that was worth watching in a long time i know he's he's big into like production kind of stuff for film noir kind of french cinema he loves having his hand in on stuff like that um i did hear an interview with him recently but it's been long enough for me to kind of forget about what he's doing nowadays other than just you know family stuff and you know, being out of the movie scene. I mean, uh, we've we've seen him in in some voice roles, uh, but I I think the last time that we've actually seen him in a like a full length feature film was when he had the small part as General Ed Fennec in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now be a chap and make me. Well, what is it? Be a good what chap and make it yourself. Bars in the globe. Would yeah. you call that a cameo, or would you call it like a real part? And he goes, and make it neat. No junk in it. <laughs> that was more like a, a cameo. Yeah, it was a very, very small yeah. role. And I actually thought it was kind of the weakest thing in the movie. I was like, oh, there's Mike Myers doing a fake British accent. Yeah. But yeah, he's going to be in this movie, The Terminal. Uh, not The Terminal. He's going to be in this movie, Terminal, with Margot Robbie. The cast list also has Simon Pegg. So there's some comedic powerhouses there. Yeah, Pegg so and Mike Myers and Margot Robbie. That doesn't sound weird enough. Let me tell you the, the plot of this movie. So the plot is... Let me just go ahead and read you like the official synopsis thing. That might be easier. Terminal is set in the dark heart of a sprawling anonymous city and follows the twisting tales of two assassins carrying out a sinister mission, a teacher battling a fatal illness, and an enigmatic janitor, and a curious waitress leading a dangerous double life. Murderous consequences unravel in the dead of night as their lives all intertwine at the hands of a mysterious criminal mastermind hell-bent on revenge. Now, I can already see the Rotten Tomatoes blurbs on this. I mean, it's going to talk about how the director struggled to marry all of those storylines together in a cohesive and satisfying way. And this already sounds like a convoluted mess just in the plot description. Yeah, I'm already confused because when they say two assassins and then the sequence after that has three different characters established... I'm like, wait, ah, you you lost me. And there's a criminal mastermind, and there's, you know, lives all intertwining. It's like, 
they it's like five movies put together these movies hardly ever work correctly yeah so i'm a little bit afraid of it hopefully the humor can keep it together i mean simon Pegg brings it margot robbie we laugh out loud with her i Tanya stuff so i i hope it works is this movie supposed to be funny though let's go ahead and watch the trailer i didn't know there was a trailer i don't think there is a trailer I'm watching it right It looks like Blade Runner. It's Blade Runner. <laughs> it's a is it a funny Blade it's Runner? It's Blade Runner and Mike Myers. So the teaser for this movie, the teaser trailer, basically Margot Robbie saying something like, To survive in this world, you have to be mad as a hatter. And I am. And she's and it the all the imagery looks super like Blade Runner 2049, Super Roger Deakins cinematography. Um, some da- like some lots of like, sequences. Lo- lots of like silhouettes in front of hazy like lights, neonish. Like I wish there was a better way to say that. It looks like Blade Runner 2049 to me. It doesn't look like a comedy. And it's an original thing. It's uh, it's written and directed by someone named Von Stein. Not um, his real name. Uh, a guy that has no Wikipedia, so... <laughs> <laughs> which means i don't know anything about von stein but he certainly does shoot a movie that looks like blade runner yeah i mean so it's it's this futuristic noir with two very famous comedic actors that and this doesn't look comedic at all you know what this looks like this looks like uh altered carbon that's on netflix right now it looks it looks very much like the blade runner 2049 futuristic kind of copycat movies that are coming out right now but are mostly landing on netflix yeah you know there's also a rumored austin powers 4 oh groan <laughs> groan tell us how you really feel lady nay uh, how do you feel about that, Mustachio? Well, I mean, t- I would assume Lady Nay doesn't want to watch it because there's no beef involved. I mean, not it's just bad teeth. <laughs> it's not even a chicken. <laughs> no, it's-, it's not even chicken. <laughs> Oscar Mayer, he's he's baloney. <laughs> I mean, these Awesome Powers movies, please, please stop. You know, I know, right? Like it's, I mean, Mike Myers has a deep love for Criterion films. Like he's really into film noir. But still, he's like the biggest puff piece, even though secretly he appreciates good movies, he'll still be in some of the worst. He's also a guy that wants money, and he's going to go back to that awesome power as well, because he isn't doing a thing right now. Intentionally, do you think? It's a good question. I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I'm still waiting for Wayne's World 3. Ooh. That's what I want. If you want Mike Myers to come back, I want to see those. I want to see Wayne and Garth as geezers. (laughs) Yes. He's actually in another movie that's supposedly coming out called Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, is it about Freddie Mercury or something? Yeah, he's in the, that Freddie Mercury biopic. The one that's starring, uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah? The one that, that lost its director, that lost Brian Singer. Is that a good thing, that it lost Brian Singer? Yeah, because he's a disgusting pig monster. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about Brian Singer. So anyway, moving on. We somehow went off the rails and started talking about Mike Meyer stuff. The only thing that we've confirmed, really, is that he is baloney, not beef. And let's move <laughs> on. So let's finish off with two trailers that dropped that I found particularly interesting. The first one is called... The Spy Who Dumped Me, and it is Kate McKinnon from SNL and Mila Kunis. The plot uh, has to do with Mila Kunis had this boyfriend who dumped her, who it turns out he was some kind of spy mixed up in some crazy stuff, and it, of course, gets her mixed up in crazy stuff, and her and Kate McKinnon are uh, surviving and having hijinks and entwined in the spy world, and it's, it's kind of a familiar type of story but it looks like kunis and mckinnon bring a great energy to it how did you feel about that trailer are you on board with it lady nay it looked fun i i don't know if it's gonna be great but it'll be fun do you like kate mckinnon yeah, it's all right no you're not a mckinnon fan you, you don't feel like she steals every movie she's in well I, I i couldn't tell from the trailer whether or not she's like the sidekick or whether she's an equal role she's definitely the sidekick because mila kunis is the one who was dumped oh okay got it yeah yeah so she's the funny sidekickish type but did you like her in like the ghostbusters reboot or anything you don't know who she is 
sorry. She's like the funniest person on <laughs> SNL. She's like the only reason to watch it. Yeah, she's the only reason to watch SNL. Like, I love her, like, on that show with, like, the close encounter sequence. Like, she's an alien abductee. That is gold. In in Ghostbusters, she was the weird one that in- invented all the inventions. I don't have cable. What, what do you mean? It's not Nobody has cable. <laughs> do, do scientists not have cable? How does this? <laughs> no, we're not allowed. They can't afford it. Scientists work for peanuts. They just work grant to grant, and that's it. There's nothing else. Do your research. Turn off the television. So, Kate McKinnon, Mila Kunis. Do you like Mila Kunis? Did Did you like her in in the Bad Moms movies or anything like that? Yeah, she's good. She's likable. I th- I feel like uh, I can only see her as um, Ashton Kutcher's like thing. I don't know. I would argue that her career is bigger than his right now. Well, yeah. He just has that Netflix show, The Ranch. Oof. Which yeah. just had, oh, which just had Danny Masterson kicked off of it. Another disgusting Hollywood pig dog. I would no. No, he raped people. He rapes people. Yes. Damn it! Another one bites the dust. Oh, nice Freddie Mercury reference. Whoa, you just brought it back to Freddie Mercury. On on purpose, you, totally right. on purpose. Uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> how about uh, Mustachio? What's your what's your fresh take on this? Oh well, I mean, if they got Kate McKinnon in it, that's that's reason enough for me to go see it. Like she gets to step out of you know normative style female roles and just like make you make you laugh your ass off and she she does a great hillary clinton she it, she's probably going to carry a little bit of this movie because she'll be the kind of one that that can have like the the raunchy humor to mila kunis's like straight laced humor will she do clinton in this movie <laughs> no because in a spy film it may be handy to pretend that you're you're hillary it, it could because they may need to use a secret email server <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, our next trailer deadpool 2 newest trailer dropped introducing the x-force more about the plot cable's trying to kill some the fat kid from hunt for the wilder people i'm sorry to call him fat but he's very large <laughs> he's just <laughs> He's just the chubby little kid. Yeah. Chubby kid. Save the chubby uh, kid. Anyway, Deadpool 2 was something that I was a little skeptical of after the first couple trailers, after the teaser and then the tra- first trailer. This second trailer was very funny to me. When the blind lady told him that she can't hear him with the pity dick in his mouth, that's funny. That's super funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, a lot of that trailer is funny. What did you think of it? Mustachio, give us your Deadpool 2 take go okay it it looks hilarious i mean it it takes us back into the cab with uh the indian cab driver um it it takes us back into like these sequences with the girlfriend that knows he's ugly as shit and that he's uh just deadpooling himself out to end up at ending up at tj miller's bar just having drinks and laughing about you know the bullshit of what he's doing I, I feel like it can just immerse itself back into what worked before and we're going to stay just right along with it. And it seems like it's going to get really crafty with, with how it's going to present Josh Brolin's cable character. I mean, it's going to be ass kicking and it's going to be hilarious. I, I'm really excited. I, I, I would hate to tear this movie apart if we had to. There's going to be things to tear apart. And we don't tear movies apart. We just help them a little bit. There you go. We help. We help with the writing room ideas. Yeah, we fix them. We fix them with little little duct tape and love. Eh, some of them we tear them apart. That yeah, sometimes. True. Sometimes they deserve it. Deadpool two, Lady Nay. You watched it. I watched you watch it to make sure you watched it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Go. I I'm, I thought it was great. It. I'm excited. Like with Mustachio, I think it's going to be great. I I thought it was dirty. I mean, I know the movie's yeah. going to be dirty, which I love, but I didn't think like trailers, I thought trailers had to be like a little bit PC and it's bad. Well, they release <laughs> uh, different trailers. They usually release 
like the regular trailer for general audiences and then they release something called a red band trailer okay and the red band trailer is gonna have all your filthy and all your swear words we watched that one which i like better yeah you scientists man it's dirty you guys are secret freaks (laughs) all that time in labs get y'all crazy All that analyzing. Uh, okay, yeah. Deadpool 2 trailer to me looked funny. Like, I'm I'm definitely on board with it more. It is going to introduce the X-Force. Uh, they show them at the end, which is interesting because it makes it seem like he's assembling the X-Force from mutants that Deadpool is. But I was, I thought from the comics, I, from my understanding in the comics, Cable is the leader of the X-Force. So... That made me wonder why he was assembling the X-Force, or maybe in this movie, X-Force becomes Cable's group. I don't know, but so I found that a little interesting. Um, But I like the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People. Hopefully they give him more to do than what they've done in the trailer. They they haven't really uh, um, um, unveiled him much other than giving people middle fingers, but... I'm very much looking forward to Deadpool 2 at this point. There was all that weird news coming out about, oh, test screenings were bad for it. And then people coming out going, no, that's a lie. It was good. And then they fixed it. And now it's it's good. And now it's performing better than Deadpool 1. It, it, yeah, that's just clickbait stuff right there. All that really, really dumb stuff. We need some clickbait. We didn't talk about Avengers at all this, this episode. Where, where's our clickbait? It's really bad because we need sponsors, and right now all we can get is like spiffy corn. Spiffy corn. No one bag tastes like the other. Spiffy corn. Snack that took your mouth different colors. My mouth is red. Mine turned blue. My mouth turned brown. Spiffy corn. Spiffy corn is only available in Florida, Guam, and Papua New Guinea. Pregnant or breastfeeding women should not handle spiffy corn. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, everybody, spiff, spiffy corn is completely safe. I, I mean, delicious. Um, <laughs> and let's move. Would you like to try some spiffy corn? <clears throat> so, I, actually, I, I have some uh, some spiffy corn here. Ooh. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they sent us cases of this stuff. Uh, do you want, you, want, you want to try this? Yeah, Here, I have some. <laughs> do I? Uh, Lady Nick, can you do the honors? All Taste right. this, uh, this spiffy one. The packaging is in the, the, uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How um, is it? Um... <laughs> what, is, what does it taste like? Are you okay? Oh, I don't uh, it, it's corn? Everything is itchy. <laughs> <laughs> is my mouth turning purple? <laughs> is it purple? Not so much here or here, but right here? <laughs> okay. Here, Wh- the, why is this here, not? <laughs> let, me, let me throw this away. Oh. oh no. We can't air that. Our sponsors will drop us immediately. No, listen. Spit. Can you say you I love spiffy corn. <laughs> spiffy, spiffy corn. Okay. All right. <laughs> on that note, uh, it's time to move on. We are going to fix. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm distracted from this, uh, this spiffy corn. From the yeah, purple. From the purple corn. Face. Your mouth. Right, uh, okay. We are going to fix Tomb Raider. <laughs> And here we are. I don't know why I say and here we are as if we went anywhere. Because we, we were just talking. We were talking just about here it, with right? you. Yeah. So we I mean, didn't go anywhere. No. Pull up all my shit. He has pages and pages of notes, you guys. I oh. do. I take this seriously. I don't just pop in and talk about beefcakes. <laughs> Your mouth don't is still knock purple. Donake. <laughs> You're going to have to. Uh, Either on Twitter or somewhere, tell us how long it took for that the purple to come off. <laughs> okay. Tomb Raider, uh, it opened in second place with somewhere around 23, 24 million. 
the sixth largest opening for a video game adaptation ever. That list is topped, actually, by the original Tomb Raider film, the Angelina Jolie. That one debuted with $47.7 in 01. Of course, Black Panther won the weekend, fifth straight weekend at number one, which only Avatar has ever done that. So congratulations, Black Panther. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Tomb Raider. A couple things about this. This isn't a reboot of the Tomb Raider that we knew that Angelina Jolie portrayed. She was she was doing the Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider uh, character. That Tomb Raider's backstory has been redone. It's been like retconned to twice. And the third time, which was like a really hard reboot of her, was in 2013. And the video game was just called Tomb Raider, and it was the, f- the full reboot of Laura Croft. This movie is an adaptation of, of, of that, of the Laura Croft from the 2013 game. In fact, it, it shares a lot of the same plot points of the actual video game. I went back and watched a little bit today the original of the Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And holy crap, is that a 90s movie? Um, <laughs> it, well. Hey, it? that doesn't uh, Not a 90s movie. Bad. Just holy crap, was that like an early 2000s uh, movie? It, uh, it's got, she's basically playing like, like Batman meets, uh, <laughs> uh, just meets James Bond. She's super rich, has her gadget guy who creates for her simulation robots to fight her in fake tomb scenarios for her to practice. Really bizarre. And there's like gratuitous shower scenes and mm-hmm. copious side boob. Copious side boob. <laughs> <laughs> and even like uh, mundane scenes have a background noise like the whole movie is just that height of like extreme but it wasn't so 90s i mean the movie did well uh it's not a great movie but jolie looks the part she looks great she that was like the best part of the oh movie. one she, she carried it great the movie has pre-bond daniel craig in it yeah it also has uh her father john voight plays her father in the movie which i thought was weird because they're like estranged well uh i don't know if they had i don't know if they have screen time together which is makes it weirder right it's all weird did they just use footage from yeah they they just use like like old childhood slideshow footage Mm -hmm. i'm just kidding but let's move on to the new tomb raider Based on the new video game, and let's just jump right into this film. Do you have a plot summary handy in under three minutes? Go ahead, Mustachio. There's no fucking way it's going to be under three minutes. No worries, just lay it on us. They're never under three minutes. <laughs> never. The movie opens up with an animation depicting the story of Himiko, uh, the ancient Japanese queen of Yamate, who can bring death upon the world. Now, it's been seven years since Richard Croft's disappearance. He's the wealthy father of Laura Croft. He was very wealthy, but also secretive about his passion for his research. Now, cut to modern-day London, where she's learning to fight in a UFC-style gym. She's broke and delivering food from her bicycle. She overhears at a bike shop that a fox is needed for a competition to see who can be the first to catch the person uh, who has a leaking paint bucket tied to the back of their bicycle. She needs the money. She volunteers to be the fox. After a quick ride with some good camera work through narrow streets and back alleys, she's caught and brought into the local police station or Bobby station, whatever they're called there. A woman that was close to her father tells her that she she recommends that she sign this will and inherit his fortune. Uh, so at the will signing, she's given a puzzle box that she opens and she finds like this skeleton key inside as well as like a piece of paper it's got her father's handwriting. It says, the first letter of my final destination. This is a hint for her to go start finding more answers into his disappearance. She goes into his rich-ass burial place and uses the key to open a hidden room into a like just secret area where he has his archaeological research. Rich-ass burial place. An early 2000s-era video camera is dusted off, and, and on it is a message from her father. He says that he wants her to 
burn the box of his research that has Himiko written on it to keep anyone from finding its contents. He laments his leaving and tells her that his pursuits are his passion and that he hopes that she too finds what she loves. She doesn't burn the Himiko box, but instead she uses its contents to find the last contact he had with a guy named Lu Ren regarding passage. She goes to a boating village in Hong Kong to find Lu Ren's drunken shotgun touting son, played by the charismatic Daniel Wu. His father disappeared around the same time, too. She she offers him some moolah to take them out to this the Devil's Sea or something like that. So his hungover ass is just, you know, stupid enough to do it. They get closer to the island, and it's not looking good. His boat gets jacked up when it runs aground and is thrown against a large rock wall. This sequence is done pretty well, and we get our first glimpse of this like video game-esque near-death escape. As she draws her breath on the beach, she's clocked in the back of the head to find out that she's been captured by Matthias and his Trinity-led mercenary squad. And now she's brought her father's prize diary to the people that she was trying to keep it from all along. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, anybody? Kind of brings to mind Sean Connery. You, you didn't bring it, did you? Well, uh, I should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Now, now it's fallen into the hands of like this sinister Matthias played by Walton Goggins. He's there to find the tomb, and he can't go home empty-handed. And now she's given him the one thing in all these years that he's dreamt of the most. There are several prisoners that he and his mercenaries are forcing to haul away rock from this dynamite excavation site, and they're trying to find Himito's tomb. She's still handcuffed, and after a near drop to her death, she's now climbing to safety on this old rusty-ass like fighter plane that's hanging like by a thread at the tip of the waterfall. Lara gets into the plane, cuts her binds. Now she's using all of her upper arm strength to climb out of this plane that's about to fall. She grabs a parachute. She deploys the parachute. She crash lands into these countless like trees. And when she lands on the ground, she's got something stuck in her abdomen. Now, Alicia Vikander's character as Laura Croft is letting out some like real grunts and painful screams in this. And it's going to be, it's, it's good. She gets tracked down by the mercenaries and one of them she has to fight in this death that's like excruciatingly realistic scene where she finally gets the upper hand and drowns him in this like bloody creek. She then follows someone that she sees back towards a coastline where she climbs into a cave inhabited by this Robinson Crusoe looking ass father. <laughs> he wants to keep Matthias and his goons from opening this tomb of supernatural power. Laura leaves uh, with just a bow and arrow back into the Merc Den to rescue the prisoners. Her father then goes and to the recently excavated tomb entrance where Laura is forced to surrender her weapon to Matthias to open the tomb. She completes the door puzzle. She's forced uh, under her father's duress to lead the way through this gauntlet of death. Indiana Jones, anybody? So she figures out a riddle while they're in a room with a falling floor. Uh, this leads her to a large gap, then... Uh, they use a ladder to bridge the way to Himito's tomb. Matthias's main merc is like a close resemblance of like, uh, say, Hans Gruber's main man, Carl. Tomb Raider Carl touches the queen's body and quickly starts deteriorating from this like poisonous exposure. Matthias breaks off the queen's finger and puts it into a little baggie and up into his top pocket. Not smart. Uh, Laura and her father fight to regain control and reseal the tomb. Laura leads one of them into this like spinning death trap and then goes to help her father. She finds out that the poison is shit on him and that, well, he's fucked. I'm sorry. Uh, a heartfelt kind of closure sequence ensues where she lets him strap himself with explosives and she goes and pursues Matthias. She proceeds to have a final showdown with old Chris Mannix himself and has to get, like, she gets her ass kicked uh, in order to regain the upper hand to ruin his chance from escaping this like crumbling tomb. After a greedy fight sequence, she finally grabs the dirty baggie out of his pocket, shoves it into his mouth, clocks him in the face, and pushes him to his death. She escapes to the surface and travels home to finally sign her father's uh, last will, only to find out that the corporation actually owned by her father owns the company Padwa or something uh, that was responsible for Matthias's old operation in Yamatai. The closing sequence gives us Lara's realization that her father's close hand who had just asked her to sign all this shit, was the one that Matthias contacted all along. Now she goes back to her father's room and breaks out the, the box on Trinity. 
and now it's the lead in to the next movie. So then they cue K Flay's song Run for Your Life and roll credits. Take a breath. Uh. Great synopsis, Mustachio. Oh. That was fantastic. Fantastic, thorough, and actually pretty brief. That was great. That was a great job. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. So, uh, yeah, so the film, that was it. Um, You know, we don't just complain about films. We don't just bitch. <laughs> we love movies. We'll always start complimenting our movies. What did you like about this movie, Lady Nay? Pass. <laughs> you can't pass. You can't. You can't say pass. You gotta. You gotta answer. You gotta. You I gotta. I did not. I don't know if I loved anything about it. it I mean, I didn't dislike anything about it. Right, it right. was as expected. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I I think that the plot tied everything together really well. There wasn't any blatant dead ends or loose ends. I think it kind of it it came together really well and I think it leads to another sequel in a good way but not in a are you kidding me kind of way. Did this excite you enough to want a sequel? Not really, but <laughs> this is one of those like first movies that the second one could be better. Okay. Who was your favorite character? Ooh. Who, what, 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 what was your favorite performance in it? Pass again. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mustachio, what is uh, something, what is a compliment that you have for this fine film? Well, you can't pass. You're, you're a regular host. <laughs> so I actually liked, like, I really liked Alicia Vikander in this movie. We get her real life screams. This is what her grunts sound like. Like she didn't do any like like manly ah like any any grunts. Which is good. She did no, real grunts. She sound every time she got injured, she sounded like she just stubbed her toe real hard. But I mean, it was realistic. It was that like. Ah! What's really funny is is I'm thinking about her doing all of this on green screens, and her reaction. So and her acting isn't to go oh, it's to go. It, I thought it, it was very realistic. I, I, I thought her grunts and screams were, were okay, more okay, realistic okay. than yeah. like an Angelina Jolie, like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's funny that her her acting choice for grunting, to me, sounds like toast oving, but Okay, well, that, that's not my only like in the whole movie. <laughs> okay, 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 we interrupted you. We, All right. <laughs> so, I mean, they run out of ammo. Like, that is huge. In these original Tomb Raider movies where like Angelina Jolie just never seems to run out of bullets, the enemies never run out of bullets. Yeah, I know that we're not supposed to compare it to, we're supposed to only compare it to the game, but I think they have done so well getting away from that conceited, over-sexualized version of Lara Croft. This one actually reminded me of a game that I like called Uncharted 4. It's um, known in the video game world as Dude Raider because... <laughs> it's just a male version of Tomb Raider. Like a friend and I, we actually just call this game running, jumping, and climbing because that's all it really is. It's it's actually really fun. It's an action game where you got like a treasure hunt and it takes you around the world and through times. There's always talk of like the the Uncharted movie as well. There's always talk of who's who's gonna play Nathan Drake, but they really should just call it Dude Raider. Dude Raider. Did y'all get like the feel that? There was like a lot of comparison with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh man, yeah. I mean, there's the, the this movie seemed to borrow heavily from it, from the finding your missing dad aspect, having your dad's diary. There was the even the even the obstacles inside of the the temple, right? In Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. All the while while they've got his father under gunpoint. Yep, same. Uh, even more than that, there were collapsing floor tiles in a in a mm-hmm. room. There was a chasm, which was exactly like Crusade as well. A trap where she had to go underneath a spinning blade. Yeah, there was. It it borrowed heavily from it, and uh, that was apparent. Lots of shades. That's the, 
that's a good that's a good observation, Mustachio, because it did did it, it resembled the whole thing. The thing about uh, Last Crusade is Last Crusade is so good because it's very tense when it's tense, and it's also that movie's loaded with great action set sequences and with awesome humor. Oh yeah, like that movie's very funny. I mean, it's a little weird that Indiana Jones and his father are Eskimo brothers, but <laughs> what? they are. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe we just covered that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it uh, do you know what that is? Uh, Lady Nay, it's when uh... you, you don't have to you don't have to whisper. Is that like sword crossing? No, no. Sword crossing? No. Well, first, first of all, what do you think sword crossing is? <laughs> I want to hear more about this. I thought there is it, like sharing, share, like at like like at the same time. Yeah. Uh, no, that was definitely not in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd remember if there was a scene where they were both like finger cuffs on someone. That's no. Um, yeah, that that didn't happen. The uh, is it, it where you like rub your nose or what is it called? No, it just means that they both slept with the same woman. Oh. Yeah. They didn't, like rub their noses again. No, they didn't they didn't Eskimo kiss on top of a woman. That's <laughs> That's really no. Okay, so this has gone off the rails. <laughs> Sorry guys. All right, let's reel it back. Hey hey JC, what did you like about this movie? Alicia v- uh Vikander was okay. She felt a little petite to be taking on these dudes like more than once I thought to myself I don't think she could beat that guy. <laughs> uh-huh. like, more than once, I was like, I don't know. Like, because early on, okay, this isn't things I like. Hold on. Okay, I loved a few of the action sequences. I loved the airplane over the waterfall sequence. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very well done, and I felt a bit of suspense, and I loved that it just kept kept building on itself. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a great action set piece, and... It was the best one in the whole movie, and none of them matched that one after. Oh, I loved Walton Goggins. I think Walton Goggins is outstanding in everything that he's in, and I thought that his intense villain was so good. Yeah. I I Agreed. I want Walton Goggins to play every bad guy in everything because he's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought his 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 performance was a, a standout for me. Yeah, out of everyone in that in that in that in that movie and i right, well yeah that's good let's uh let's move on and let's let's fix this thing what do you think mustachio all right so she brings her father's diary on her journey to find this like secret island uh that makes sense you know but if her father didn't carry the book himself, then why not show us a quick explanation instead of, you know, showing us like a sh- shots of her memories, you know, break away to his point of view since she's now reading his words in the in the diary. Show us, show him like having trouble like burning the box himself if he didn't plan on her, you know, actually finding it herself, you know, so give us less confusion as to why he left the book how he intended it for it to be burned or why he never burned it in the first place okay uh, do, do you have a uh, <clears throat> do you have a fix for us nay there was one line that was just awful oh yeah it was like at the very end or kind of towards the end when he said what does he say and then she says no shit oh at least we're not dead yet no shit yeah didn't play for me very well. That at all. line sounds very much like something out of like a macho eighties like action they gave, movie. Like they gave up. They're like, "What's really cool?" Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of, yeah, and I love cheese. I it, it just was it didn't fit. So during the the airplane scene, they did actually have a little bit of like break where she said, "Are you kidding me?" and as an audience right. you were kind of thinking that anyways yeah. and so she like kind of, it, and it fit like you accepted the the fact that like every like 99.9% of human beings would be dead by now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that that's kind of the thing with this whole movie like in these action adventure films you've got to kind of put nitpicks aside and 
just kind of go with these adventures because most people would in fact never get to this locale or stay alive you know it's just you gotta roll with some of it you know unless you're watching something that's supposed to be some historical biopic of someone going into the the forest to find things like the lost city of z you know you got to kind of give these adventure movies like a little bit of leeway so i guess my first fix laura it takes so long to get to the action in this movie like the real action we get this bicycle paint race we get her doing some kickboxing not very well and losing to her sparring partner um and you know what did all this stuff really do for our understanding of laura croft's character i feel like it it didn't really do much lots of people do kickboxing to stay fit you ever done kickboxing uh mustachio or or nay hell no negative right but you know some go-getter fitness buff that takes a kickboxing class. Well, right? I, I thought the kickboxing was a good display of the fact that it, it tried to build up her character as someone that could kick ass. But the bike scene, it was great. I loved it. But it was misplaced and took up a little bit too much of right. the plot that didn't contribute to anything. No. I thought both both the kickboxing and the bike didn't do much. Like, so she's in the kickboxing gym. She's losing. So she's not great. Uh, also, with the bicycle thing, she's got a paint can. Yeah, she can ride a bike pretty well, but you know, it 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 doesn't do anything for us later. The bicycle part was not a callback to anything that came back later. There was no bicycle scene later. There was not her. You know, there was no bicycle that happened yeah. on the island. Mm-hmm. And the kickboxing, I saw her using moves when she was fighting that I didn't see in any of the kickboxing uh sequence either like it looked like she was doing a whole new martial art she did kick somebody one time but then she's doing moves like spinning around like jujitsu choking people out and i I never saw any of that push someone's head into the water enough to kill them (laughs) anyway what i'm getting at is those early scenes should have set her up as an inquisitive puzzle solver because that's what laura croft is and i understand that this is supposed to be before she has become archaeologist laura croft um in the game actually in the 2013 reboot game she's an she's a recent archaeology grad so they're doing away with that and making this about her before she is into the world of archaeology and following the footsteps of her father but i feel like the father should have been setting her up to follow in his footsteps he's teaching her archery right so we do learn that she knows archery Mm -hmm. right which does come back later so that's something that pays off but the bicycle stuff the kickboxing stuff so i have a fix when she's doing the bicycle maybe have it to where during the bicycle chase she either rides into a sewer system via like a public park or something in the city or she rides into a building or or something and because she has in-depth knowledge of maybe that city's history or like the inner workings of the older parts of that city she's able to outmaneuver them just anything that is setting us up for later where she's knowledgeable about history about puzzle solving so i think they should have set up her puzzle her puzzle solving nature earlier uh via those earlier scenes otherwise those scenes are a complete waste Mm -hmm. and in a in a movie like this if you're gonna take that much time to get to the initial action those early scenes need to count that's my fix for the development of laura early on Mustachio, you got your second fix? Yeah, I, actually, my second fix has a lot to do with that because I felt like she, they should have like played more into like her natural ability to like develop a knowledge for these puzzles or to have like that critical thinking and, and to be you know able to be one step ahead of somebody and that ingenuity that's there for staying ahead of her attackers uh, or for solving problems. There's a scene where she cuts the line in the mercenary camp to leg sweep the dude with the gun instead of this seemingly like like a multifaceted lucky move on her part. Show me that she actually looks ahead of them and quickly scans it 
and figures out oh that this will work as long as she hits it this right spot at this time this would have shown us that she's slowly becoming three steps ahead of everyone and on her way to figuring out like say how to like narrowly escape these traps and and thereby become like proficient at tomb raiding yeah because in the movie it seems like the only thing she's super proficient at is doing those japanese puzzle boxes (laughs) right yeah because they were like dad had these laying around everywhere and she's really good at like solving those but other than doing those japanese puzzle boxes we really don't see any other puzzle solving aspect to her upbringing but yet she's got a she figures out the clue of that key and i don't know you know, it's cool in the movie that she figures that out, but I still wanted to see it set up to where her father was early on teaching her these kind of puzzle solving techniques, giving her puzzles to solve, giving her all kinds of things to solve, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been good for her to look at that rope, look up, look over, look down, see what it would have done. Instead, it just looks like a really quick reaction. Yeah, a lucky move at that, yeah. Yeah. Whereas we want Laura to seem like, yeah, the smartest person, the person who's three steps ahead. That's a good fix. Lady Nay, what did you think about how they called it the Devil's Sea and like Lou Ren's character just was familiar with that? I thought it was all right. I I think it it lended to the suspense. It built it up a little bit from a scientific standpoint. There are parts of the ocean that are more dangerous than others. Is there a real area off the coast of Japan that's very dangerous? I don't know about off the coast of Japan necessarily. I mean, any uh, kind of coastal area that has uh, a reef structure around an island, which is pretty common in uh, tropical areas, is going to have a certain level of danger. So I think that that was pretty accurate. And I I think they did a really good job of tying Lou Ren's character into, like, why would he take her there in the first place so he has a vested interest his father died as well and and so that relationship i think she also w- stopped, tossed him some gambling cash it, yeah that was a little yeah, they odd. made him a gambler yeah, guy. yeah it's, that's I, they made weird. him drunk and a gambler yeah. they could have just made him a drunk but <laughs> they, um, drunk, yeah. they did like like why why would he even care so I, I thought they tied those two characters together really well but i don't i think it kind of like stopped there i would have liked them to at least explain how his father died too like followed they, up with they that mur- they just said that they, they murdered him while he was standing up for the others or right whatever. they didn't follow his character very up very well so i'm, I'm kind of curious that they do mm. do a remake if he mm. is part of it how would you make that better than that the the son part how would you fix that i would uh give a little bit of closure on how his father died um and i I, I thought that was a good character. I thought he was a great actor. I thought it would just put, give him an, a little bit more face time, all like overall. Did Did you like? Do you, how do you think the the ending of his story could have been better? Because he he just kind of they like waited for her. He waits. And, he he yeah. waits for her, and then he he with all every everyone else, he just puts a gun up to the helicopter. Do you feel like he he could have done something more? And do you know what that more could have could have been? Because you don't want the guy to come in and save the girl no, in a movie yeah, like like yeah. like like this. But you know, is there anything you think he could have done that would have given his character a little more importance at the end? Being just a little bit more helpful overall. Like he wasn't really helpful at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, like he kept well, people he, there. Well, he did. Well, this is strange too. He he did smack all those dudes with a shovel that allowed her to leave. That's true, and that makes no sense for why he's still alive. Because Walt, Walt <laughs> oh, Goggins murdered well, somebody just for being sick. She should have been dead after like five minutes, though. Well, he should have been dead too yeah. because there's no way that Walton Goggins would have let him shovel half his dudes in the in the in the face and let they him were live. Incredibly good at surviving. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah exceptional not dyers yeah he should have been completely dead or he should have at least been in prison not still chilling right after he had just beat them in the face right like he should have been half dead they should have beat him do you guys 
maybe I just zoned out, but do you guys, like, not understand what, like, what she was really going for? Like, so after she leaves her father, like... She's just going to free them, but there's no plan there. I did not see what the objective that she was trying to go for. Well, here it is. Instead of taking them all out stealthily with a bow and arrow, which, which is what any logical person is expecting... She doesn't bow Walton, Walton Glog- no. Goggins when his back is turned to her, when she's literally four feet from him. Mm. Then she turns around, shoots one guy in his neck, and then goes, all right, guys, here's some guns. Let's get out of here. And they immediately are getting fired on by every everybody right, in the whole place. it's just more guns. It's absolutely r- ridiculous. She should have been running around the outskirts of that camp, bowing, bowing all of the bad guys to yeah. death silently. Like last Mohican style. Right. She should yeah. have been Mohicaning all these all these people so instead she just runs in shoots a guy and then the whole place just starts shooting up like crazy totally losing the the advantage of the bow so she should have had the bow stealthily killed a whole bunch of them and then right when she's about to go rescue her friends uh walton goggins comes up and has a gun to her head and the like jig is up but the thing is like she didn't kill like a a bunch of his bad guys everything went kind of nuts but so my fix is the more effective use of that bow if you're going to introduce it back in don't don't have it be some don't like set me up with this awesome scene where she's running through the woods looking like she's about to rambo and then kill one person right so (laughs) that's one of my fixes that's a fix for me for sure So I guess we should consider this screen fixed. All right. Um, this week, I have some people to thank. Thank yes. you very much for giving yeah. us a shout out. Cody Curtis. Everyone, please go check out Cody Curtis. He is on Twitter, but he has a YouTube channel where he does reviews. Go check him out. We'd also like to thank those that give us comments on Facebook. People like Alexandra Nunez from yeah. Puerto Rico been to puerto rico love puerto rico i have hiked el yunque i've been to san juan of course um rincon it's just a fantastic place and thank you for listening would like to also thank friend of the show bob uh bob if you're out there and if you're listening with summoner when one of us is not making uh an expletive slip (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for helping out when you do. And we'd also just like to thank our friends on Reddit who are kind enough to respond to some of our questions. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you very much. So much love. It makes us feel warm. Okay, but but you can reach out and virtually touch us via Twitter at ScreenFixPod. You can also find us at ScreenFixPod at gmail.com if you want to hit us up via email we also have a facebook page uh on itunes please subscribe rate review we need that we also have a patreon account where you can donate to the show we would love to keep the show going forever and it ain't free (laughs) uh and uh, we also have dreams of opening a one screen indie theater to be the home of podcasting and indie films and festivals and all kinds of fun stuff. So please uh, donate to us there if you think that we're worthy. And why don't you send us out with your best Laura Croft toe stub. Go, Lady Nay. <laughs> How about yours, Mustachio? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Here's mine. All right. Uh, Next week, we will be fixing Pacific Rim. So make sure that you see that and you can hear us fix it next week. Bye, everybody.